Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Brian Ellis with me here this afternoon. Brian, I really appreciate your time. Before we get things started, I want to make sure that you take uh, Brian up on his offer. He's he's offering you a, a subscription to his magazine, at least in a digital form. You, all you got to do is send him a text at 678-888-4000 with your email address, and then he'll get you signed up for that. That's right. But uh, we're going to spend a little time talking about bigger projects and how to raise capital for those larger projects. And we're talking about millions of dollars in most situations. In fact, Brian's experience, he considers a million dollars on the small side. So you're talking about some pretty decent sized projects, but uh, we were chatting before the call. It takes a significant difference of skill set when you're talking about talking to people, accredited investors, and uh, collecting or trying to uh, raise this type of ga- capital. So, Brian, I really appreciate your time. This is this is going to be really uh, ed- education. Hey, it's it's my pleasure and my honor to be here. Thank you for having me today, JD. So, I, I have to start things off. You you mentioned you did start off raising capital for single family homes. Like, yeah. how did you go from point A to point B where you're at here today? Well, you know, when I was in the single family business and I did a lot, hundreds of single family deals myself, it's not, uh, that, that's not something that's unfamiliar to me. But when I was doing those deals, I hadn't really learned how to raise capital yet. So I did almost exclusively, you know, the, the creative type stuff, the no or low money down type of thing and, and that sort of thing. But uh, somewhere along the way, uh, I, I, was, uh, I had the opportunity to to share some other investment opportunities, really uh, turnkey uh, rental property houses. By, this is back 15, 20 years ago when that was still a, a fairly new concept. I had a, 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 an opportunity to share some of those kinds of opportunities with, with my uh, subscribers because I, I had a pretty good email list even, even at that time of, of people interested in real estate investing. And uh, it, it, it really left a, a, a really big mark on my mind to see how, how hungry affluent investors were for opportunities to put their capital to work in in real estate because it, it's a little less true now but back then there were there really weren't a lot of ways to in a turnkey manner invest in real estate and when i saw that that was a possibility i i started spending quite a bit of time and effort in learning how to communicate with those folks so that they would be inclined to um, be involved in the projects that that uh, that that I wanted to guide them towards, and it's worked out quite nicely, fortunately. Yeah, you know, you, you know, you already brought up the psychology of this, so you know, I I found it was one of the things that you mentioned before we hit record is that uh, you know a lot of people they will uh, hit up all of their their database and and contact everybody until they've they've let it dry. There isn't any more, as far as they're concerned. There's no more blood to get out of that stone. But that's actually where you start your process to uh, raise the additional capital. Yeah. So, so most of the time, when 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 I am brought in to help with a capital raise project, it's at exactly the point you just described. We can let's just imagine somebody's raising thirty million dollars for a big project, and they 
they've only raised 21 million. So they're, they're a good chunk short and they're only two weeks away from their drop dead date when they have to have all the money. That's usually when I get the call. Uh, for, that's when I get uh, the first call from, from a client. You know, generally, the, they, they call me much earlier in the process on subsequent projects. But on the first one, they generally call me when they're kind of in the red zone and they're way short. And the story is the same every time. It's, it's we've got a project. We've raised a bunch of money from our, our database, but we're a good chunk short and we need some help. We've gotten all the money out of our database. We possibly can help us. And, and they're always convinced that they've drained their database dry. And it is pretty consistently, in fact, overwhelmingly consistently, my experience that simply by communicating the details of their project in a different manner than, than they did, we can basically always get all of the money we need and more out of the same database that they thought was bled dry already. And, and I think the reason for that is that you know, there's a, it takes a lot of skill for a person to be good at creating and packaging a real estate deal like syndicators do. They've got a very, very important, very valuable skill, but that is a radically different skill than being able to communicate the details of that project in such a way where the, where the really discerning and, and intelligent and experienced affluent investor who has the money they need, that person has to be communicated to in such a way where they'll not only believe what they're hearing, but find it interesting and they'll find it desirable and they'll find it desirable in such a way where they want to get in today and not three months from now. And that's what I bring to the table that's a little bit different than, than the way most syndicators present their own projects. I, I, I speak to the, the mind of an accredited investor in such a way where they're a lot more inclined to actually take action. Well, I don't want to call it a mistake, but what have you typically seen as the as a common trend there or thread that they're missing the mark on? Oh yeah, there are a lot of them. Um, so most syndicators are they're, they're they're enamored with their project as well. They should be. That's exactly the the frame of mind that they should have. This is a great deal, and I'm fascinated by it. And you should be too. So that's kind of where they're coming from. But the reality is that that even very smart, very experienced, very well-qualified investors, they don't make decisions primarily to begin with on a rational or logical basis. It's true for everybody. Most people start to make the decision about whether they're interested in a project on on more fundamental kind of emotional automatic response type bases. So one of the things that, that people do wrong is that they feed a tremendous amount of data to potential investors in their first connection with it. So, so maybe you and I are on a webinar, and if I'm doing it the way that most people do it, what I'd probably do is put up uh, a, a bunch of screens in front of you that have things like spreadsheets and lots of information about the background of, of, of the syndicators running the project or lots of technical information about the way, way the, the project is structured. And the reality is all of that stuff is really important. It really is. Like I, I'm not saying that should be left out, but that's the wrong place for it. Mm-hmm. The right place for it is later on when people are reviewing the private placement memorandum or, or whatever the legal documents are. At this point, what I should be doing is, is helping you to see what's the big picture here. What, what is, how do you go from the starting line to the finish line? And at the finish line, your wallet's fatter than it was at the start. By the way, how do you do that? Like, How does this project make that, that happen in such a way where that's really likely to happen rather than not so likely to happen? So that's how I do essentially what I do is, is, is I take 
their hard data, their spreadsheets, their, their, their resumes, et cetera, kind of reduce it to a narrative form to really get inside the mind of the potential investor. So that's, that's a big starting point is actually reducing the amount of information that's shared to begin with, not to hide it, not to keep it away, but so that the potential investor will have the ability to, and the opportunity to focus on what really matters. And that's the big picture. You know, we talk about analysis paralysis all the time, but it almost sounds like a reverse case of that where your syndicators are are forcing that into the, the situation. There's so much information. There's they don't, Nobody knows what, what action to take. Oh, yeah. That, that's a good kind of uh, compression of, of, of what I'm saying there. Like if you put, look at a particular, in, in, any given spreadsheet on just about any of them, you can reduce the whole thing down to the number on the lower left and the lower right. Like that's the starting point and that's the ending point, or maybe the upper left and the lower right. But almost always really what matters is not all the details in the middle, but where you start and where you end. And if you can reduce it to that in a way that doesn't cut out relevant details, but cuts out all of the details that they're not going to look be able to look at anyway. I mean, face it, whenever you're looking at a webinar, can you possibly review all the cells on a spreadsheet anyway? Well, no, you can't. So all we do is, is, is just take the potential, you know, what people can actually focus on and make that persuasive. So would it be safe to assume then that based on what you're saying here, that you provide just enough information to get their attention? And then if they want more detail, you provide it, but it's oh, more yeah. to kind of wet the whistle, if you will. Absolutely. So, so when, a, when a person is raising money for a project like this, a lot of the times what happens is that most of their investor, or a lot of their investors to begin with are friends and family and people that they've known for a while, right? Well, once you exhaust that pool, you've got to deal with people who don't necessarily know you, right? And these people are a lot more skeptical mm-hmm. and with good reason. So what we have to do is not shoot ourselves in the foot. And what I have observed over and over and over again is this. If you put too much information in front of a person, that's not a good thing. That gives them too much to think about. What you want to do is is essentially reduce down at the front end of your your relationship with a potential investor. You want to reduce down the decisions that they have to make from is this particular aspect of the project attractive? Is this a a good thing? Is this a good thing? Down to one, one decision, one yes or no, and that is, can I see myself involved in this? And, and if they can, and if you've done a good job at the rest of it, because there's a lot more to it than, that we haven't talked about, but if the webinar or the presentation has done a good job at the rest of it, that person is going to know not only if they're interested and if they can see themselves involved in it, but whether they're qualified and whether they're really a good fit for, for that philosophy and for that team and, and such. So that's really what we're trying to do is, is drill it down to that kind of a fundamental yes, no decision. Sure. Just a reminder again, everybody, uh, if you'd like a free subscription to uh, Brian's magazine, text your email address to 678-888-4000 and uh, do yourself a favor, find the YouTube channel uh, and because Brian has done a great job. It's, it's up on the screen when he's live here. So it's a great way to get that information. So Brian, let's talk about the psychology behind this. Like you, you mentioned that also what before we hit record that there's there's some psychology associated with what you're referring to here um it uh you know we already talked about bre- essentially breaking loose of this forced analysis paralysis but right. what what other type of things or strategies are you using here 
Well, there, there are, are a lot of them. For, for example, um, whenever I do a presentation, one of the basically the very first screen of it is, is radically different than everybody else's first screen. Most people start out with a, uh, a, a slide or, or something to that effect that has the, the name of the project and, and maybe the name of the presenter. And at every step of the way, I'm asking myself, do they care? Like, what, what's in it for, for my uh, viewer? Nobody cares about the name of your project. Nobody cares about the name of the sponsor at that point. What they care about is whether they are interested, but they don't know that yet. Right. So the way that I start any presentation is by asking, but not answering immediately, two or three kind of high impact questions, uh, really gripping questions that any particular, any potential investor will find interesting about that project. And I ask those at the beginning, but I don't answer them. I, I always say, and we'll, we'll get to the answers here very shortly. So uh, let's get started. Well, what that does, that, that's, uh, that's a, a, a psychological technique that's actually well-known and has a name. It's called the Zygarnik effect. And the Zygarnik effect basically says that whenever you express things in a way that makes people think that there's an answer to something, that there's information that they should have, well, that kind of creates a hole in their mind that becomes an, 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 a niggling kind of thought that they really want to get that answer. They really want to get that information. I mean, a very simple example of it would be to say, Watch this. I'm, I'm going to give you a list of four colors, right? Four colors. Number one is red. Number two is black. And number four is brown. Now, right now, it doesn't matter what those four colors are. What everybody is thinking, including you and me, is what's number three? Because I mm -hmm. skipped it. Well, that's an example of what we're doing. We're telling people what's coming. We're giving them some structure to understand what, what they're about to see. But we're not filling it in right away. And we express it in a way that it's interesting and curiosity-inducing. And what that does at the start is makes people a lot more likely to stick to the end of the presentation with us so that we can get the entire thing done for, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a very, very simple example, uh, but it's a very powerful thing. It's radically different than the way almost everybody does it. And, um, you know, an, another thing that, that, that we do that's, that's pretty radically different is that we, we never express the, um, the number of spaces or the number of investors that, that are allowed to participate in a project. We never express that in a way that suggests any desperation or uh, any concern that we will be able to fill it. Uh, in, in fact, we, we do it in a supremely confident way. For example, uh, if we're raising, say, I don't know, $5 million, and we're doing that $100,000 at the time, that's 50 investors, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the way most particularly new syndicators would express that is, hey, we got to raise $5 million hundred thousand dollars at the time. Uh, if you don't quite have a hundred thousand dollars, we'll talk. You know, we'll talk about that on, on an individual basis. But we've got to have all the money in within two weeks. And um, this is a great opportunity. Call me now to get involved. We'll never do it that way. What, what, what we'll do is say this is this is a project. We only need five million dollars uh, for this project. And by the way, last month one hundred eighty-seven billion dollars, or you know, whatever the statistic was for last month. Last month, $187 billion was raised for, for private equity opportunities like this. We're only looking for $5 million. That's $100,000 at the time. $100,000 is the minimum uh, capital quality for getting, invo getting involved in this. This means we need only 50 investors. And there are 187 of you registered to hear this presentation right now. So probably most of you won't be able to be involved. 
if you would like to be involved and, and to apply for consideration, what you do is, you know, then we'll give them the call to action. But you can see right there the very radical difference in the way the same information is expressed. And that's one of the reasons that, that, that we get a much, much, much higher conversion rate from the same people that uh, versus uh, when, when syndicators write their own presentations, because they're just not thinking about this. They've got a lot of other things to, to, you know, to, to think about and, and a lot of other things going on in their mind. And they're probably also not, not really experts in persuasion. So this is what we do that makes our, our presentation so wildly effective. Yeah. There's, there was a lot to unpack there. I mean, starting things off, you know, you, you gave it a, a name, but the, that that's a pretty significant pattern interrupt. I mean, a lot of people are familiar with those exact PowerPoint presentations you're talking about, where you're you just kind of PowerPoint death by PowerPoint. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's so so when you start things off asking some pretty poignant questions like that, it it would startle people to, yeah. to something different. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We, uh, yeah. I, I did the one like this just last week for a very large financial conference. And, and the, the, the first thing that we started off with was, what if it was possible to invest $100,000 and make $6,314 a month from that? Well, that's going to get people's attention. Now, this was an oil and gas deal where that sort of thing, there's risk involved, but that sort of thing is possible. So it wasn't crazy to say that, but mm-hmm. that stops people cold. Like they, they're, they're not accustomed to seeing that at the outset. But it works. Right. And then I, I thought it was really interesting, you know, at, you know, whether people want to admit it or not, when we're in real estate investing, you are in marketing. And, oh, sure. and the way you were talking about things and the way it was laid out regarding um, you're raising the 5 million, you gave that example. Uh, every step along the way, you could see you building the, the one of the three legs of the no like, and trust in the marketing Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and we 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 really do all we can to essentially shortcut that process because the the way that most people do it, they they try to do it in a data oriented way, and data matters. Like as a serious investor, you should be concerned about the details. You should be concerned about the data. But the beautiful thing about the kind of presentations that I do is that it serves everybody well. It serves not just the syndicator well. Because they, they get a lot more people coming to them who are well-qualified and interested and ready to go. But it also serves the person watching the presentation well. Because, yeah, sure, it's per- very persuasive to people for whom it's a good fit. But by the time you get to in- the end of one of my presentations, if you are not a good fit, you're going to know. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to be very inclined to respond to that thing. Furthermore, if you are a good fit, there's a good chance that the lack of skill of the typical syndicator would have turned you off from this project that may be a great fit for you simply because they didn't know how to properly express it. And we overcome that. So it's a great thing. Like it's a great thing for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. No, this is, this is exactly a great example on a much larger scale. I mean, just, just the concept of you're setting the stage. It's, a, it, it's it's amazing how far that will go, especially in a presentation. If people have an idea that they're going to get some que- certain questions answered, or they know what's coming up next. Absolutely, and, and it's really interesting you say that because at the end of our presentations, we always do a Q and A, but it's always a canned Q and A. Nobody knows it because I know what the questions are going to be. They're the same questions all the time, hmm. and so we write 
the Q&A in advance. In fact, our presentations are generally recorded in advance. Nobody knows it. It looks like a, a live presentation, but the Q&A is done in advance because I know what questions people are going to ask. So we go ahead and raise those questions. We answer those questions, but each one of those questions gives us an opportunity to point potential investors back to the central tenant of, can you see yourself involved in this thing? And oh, by the way, there's a limited opportunity, so you might want to act now. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's how we handle the whole whole issue of what we know is coming our way in terms of questions. Yeah, I, I, the the focus on how how they see themselves contributing or being part of this deal. I mean, it, it's, it has to be a huge benefit. I mean, that that's got to be the winning scenario there. You've brought that up a number of times now, and. Uh, I can I can definitely see, especially newer syndicators, focusing on the numbers instead of the person. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and whenever you shift it to, it's you know what you you talk about single family investments and I, and, and properties, and I've done so many of that uh, those that I kind of understand that too. And, and remember, whenever you if you own a single family property and maybe you're showing it to a potential buyer yourself or a potential renter yourself, just as a point of comparison. When you have that person in the room, when that person starts to see themselves living there, game over, you've won. That's all we're doing here. Right. No, that's really, really interesting. You know, and I, I also find it interesting that as you're climbing this, this scale of investment, you know, you're, you're getting involved in syndications, we start to revert back to the numbers and go into more detail instead of, instead of keeping things personal, uh, and I'm sure you see that time and time again, where people just kind of lose touch of that. Yeah, you know, it's it, it's it's really easy to think that the way that you communicate with a smart person is by being, and when I say smart person, I mean the affluent, the accredited investor who has a lot of money and they're your your target market. It's a it's easy to assume that the best way to communicate that with that person is through reason and and logic, and there is a component of that. Absolutely, there is. I'm I'm a big proponent of formal logic, actually. But here's here's the reality. The reality is that human beings, no matter who they are, are not rational. They are rationalizers. That means they kind of make a decision quickly, and then they look for information that supports that decision, rather than taking in all the information and saying, okay, based on all of this, I'm going to do this thing. They they do it the other way. Here's what I'd like to do. Now, let's look for information to support that. Mm -hmm. That's, That's the normal way. And that's an, a, 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 a way that is dangerous for everybody, but that's the normal way. And we, we kind of, in the style of presentation that we do, force people to think about things that are really relevant rather than the random details that might just support a particular idea. Yeah. And I, I think what you, you've also made it a point of providing just enough information for them to raise their own hand. I've, I've always found it almost impossible to try to convince people of somebody, something but you've already talked about that uh, we're rationalizers. Yeah, yeah, and really, what we're trying to—we're we, not trying to—we're not trying to attract people as much as we are trying to push away those who are not a good fit. And that's on purpose because, for whatever reason, the, the human mind works like this: the thing that it wants most is the thing that it fears it might not be able to have. And so we kind of use that in, in the way that our scripts are written and that our slides are designed. Because the reality is every opportunity is a limited opportunity. You just got to make sure that under people, people understand the extent to which that's true and how that's true. And that kind of helps them to motivate them to get involved 
sooner rather than later. Sure. Well, just one more time, just to remind everybody, uh, if you want a free subscription to the magazine, text your email address to 678-888-4000. Go over to the YouTube channel. You can see the uh, see it up on the screen, but I'll also make sure to have that in the show notes. Well, in the last few minutes here, Brian, I typically end the show by asking, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Well, you, you, you covered it pretty well. What, what, I, would, what I would say in, uh, in, in, heading, in, in our closing moment here together is that for all the folks out there who are not doing $50 million deals or $30 million deals or even $1 million deals, everything we've just talked about is relevant for you too. So you, even, if, even if what you're doing is raising, raising money a smaller clip at the time, maybe just enough for one house or one quad or, or whatever, all the same rules still apply. So be be sure and think through exactly how you're expressing the opportunities to you to your potential uh, investors. And if uh, if I can be of assistance in, in helping you craft those presentations, I'd be delighted to do so. Well, I really appreciate your time, Brian. This was a great conversation. I hope you'll come back again sometime. It would be my honor. Thank you so much for having me. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.